Well, good morning. My name is Wes. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, isn't it awesome to be singing those songs, uh, Our God Reigns, and to sing, We Will Love You, God, with all of ourselves. And so uh, in light of that, I'd like to just lead us in prayer before we start. Let's pray together. Jesus, we come before you as the King of all kings. And as your citizens, we ask for wisdom, because you know what, just what to do and how we live in light of eternity. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. So we're in a series uh, that is Church in Culture, and uh, we've been looking at what does that look like to have us interact with culture in this day and age, right? So we've covered uh, truth as the first week, we've covered bigot. The second week, we covered fear the third week. And all of those are online. If you want to go to our website, all of those messages are there. If you want to go back, if you haven't been here the whole time. But today, we're going to talk about citizen. And when I think of citizen, I think about how I'm a Canadian citizen and how I have things that I have to live by and have to be. And there's a certain expectation that I should, you know, live like. Have you ever noticed, have you ever been to have the privilege of going to another country that doesn't speak English? Like not the U.S., but the going off to say somewhere like Mexico. It is English. Um, and, and you go to a place like Mexico. I've had the privilege of going um, a number of times down to do missions in Mexico. And when I go down to Mexico, um, I love it because the people down there are so warm and welcoming, just like Canadians. In fact, they would even say, hey, they look, they look at us and they say, Canadienses, they are so excited to see us. And when they, we walk in there, they see our flag, or if we start spending time with them, their faces light up, and they're so happy and so warm and so accepting. I love that. I love going down to Mexico for that reason. But the thing is, is that when I go to Mexico... I'm still a Canadian citizen. So when I go in there, I, they could be warm and accepting of me, and I could feel like I'm kind of one of them. But in the end, I'm still not one of them, am I? I'm still a Canadian citizen. I'm not a Mexican citizen. I'm a foreigner. I'm someone who is accepted among these people, but I don't necessarily belong because I haven't been born there. I don't know what it's like. And maybe some of you have come from another country and you know what it feels like to come into Canadian society and Canadian citizenship. And you know that there's a difference. So what is it when we talk about a citizen when in regards to the church? What does that look like? To be a citizen of Jesus' kingdom. To be someone who belongs to something that is, that is, that is all Jesus' kingdom. If you are a Jesus follower here today, you know that you are a child of God. You know that you're part of the family of God. You know that you're part of a citizenship of heaven or a citizenship of God's kingdom. And there's, there's something that you, that you need to, uh, to look to, that there's someone that is your king, that is your ruler, and you, you abide by what he says in, the, in God's word. And you, and you look at, um, and you know that there's a way of living that is, is specific, for those of you who are not Jesus followers here today, you are not citizens of God's kingdom. You have a chance to do that, and I don't want to leave it as something that you are just not included in, because that's not what I'm getting at. 
I want you to consider what it might look like after this message to say, okay, if I'm not a citizen of Jesus's kingdom, if I'm not part of God's kingdom, then what would it take for me to do that? And I would love to to chat with you after the service. I will just be right in the front. Um, If you're just concerned about what does that mean to really look like for me, I'm still wanting to take that next step to follow Jesus. I would love you to, to lead you to him. Maybe you've come with someone who would help you be led to him. Maybe someone you know, or maybe you want to talk to the, the Welcome Center and just ask, hey, how can I know Jesus? So here's the question that I want us to really wrestle through today. The main question, okay? You got this? What does it look like to be a citizen in Jesus's kingdom today? We're talking about culture. We're talking about the church. But what does it look like to be a citizen of Jesus's kingdom today? What does that look like? Is it supposed to be different? Are we supposed to feel like foreigners? How is this different the way that Jesus wants us to live? Well, Jesus in John 18, 36 says that his kingdom is not of this world. His kingdom is not of this world. Now, he's not talking about some other planet, right? You get that? He's not just saying, oh, it's my, my world, some other planet out there, some other thing that is going on way out there that's nothing to do with here. No, Jesus is saying that my kingdom is not of this world, but it's a different way of living in this world. There's a kingdom and a way of living that if you want to live for me, that needs to happen. So what I want to do is I want to bring us, cinch this all in and bring us back to the basics because it's really important to understand if we are going to understand what does it mean to be a citizen of Jesus's kingdom, that we understand what that might look like. So I'm going to point to Matthew 22. If you want to turn with me to Matthew 22, 30 to 7 to 40. And I want to start with reading this. It'll be up on the screen if you don't have a Bible here, if you want to pull up your app. Apparently it's allowed here. So you can go ahead and do that. I'm just joking. It is allowed here. We're good. Um, so just let's bring up uh, Matthew 22, 37 to 40. And Jesus is talking here, and he's talking about um, the greatest commandment. And I want to point you to this. this. Jesus is saying this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Did you get that? And the second is like that. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Love God with everything you have. Your mind, your soul, your strength, as some some versions call it. Your heart, your entire being. Not just part of you, your entire being. That is the greatest commandment. But the second is like it, which is to love your neighbor as yourself. We are to live as a citizen in Jesus's kingdom in light of these two greatest commandments. If we were to boil it all the way down, if we were to kind of say, what would it look like to live in a culture that is um, far from Jesus, far from God? How are we to live? We need to do the two greatest commandments. When you think to love God with everything we have, be a citizen by doing that. And love our neighbor as ourself. If this is the second greatest commandment that Jesus says is to love your neighbor as yourself, we might want to take notice of it. This 
means more than just your neighbor that lives beside you, but not less. The question I start thinking is, and of course, the best messages are the ones that really affect the preacher, right? (laughs) They speak out of the frustration and the struggle and the desire to do these things. This message is no different. I start asking, am I doing a good enough job, Wes? Am I doing a good enough job of being a citizen of God's kingdom? I say that I love God with my whole self and sometimes I fall flat. I say that I love my neighbor and sometimes you see me up here sharing these stories about these crazy things that happen with my neighbors, yet I still struggle and it's still hard. As citizens, we are supposed to love. We're supposed to be self-sacrificing. We are supposed to be loving, our, loving others. We are supposed to be self-giving. We are supposed to love We are supposed to love. We are supposed to love God and we're supposed to love others, our neighbors. Do you think that has something to do with us living in the world but not of the world? Maybe you've heard that saying before, that we need to live in the world. We are living in this world but not of this world. I think Jesus has something to say about that when he says his kingdom is from a different world, right? It's a different way of thinking. And when we look at this passage, the greatest two commandments is is all about love. We are to love with no strings attached. We are to love with no catch. That's the type of love that we need to be doing. We are to love first. Then we will know the truth. Then we will not be bigots. And then we will not fear. First, if we boil it down, It has to be to love. If we take on this type of love and act this way, it will be foreign to those who don't know Jesus. It should be that way, right? It should be these questions that come up from the way that you live your life, the way that you love and to say, why, for the people around you, why are you doing this? What? Why do you care so much? These are the questions that should be happening. It should be them asking you, is there a catch to this? Are you wanting something out of this? Because these are the questions that often they're thinking because they don't understand God's love. They don't understand that there's a deeper love to what God is calling us to do. So they think it's all to do with what is going to benefit them. And that's how they operate. And that's what they might expect of you. However, we are foreigners. Remember what it looks like for me to go down to Mexico. As much as I'm accepted, as much as I am involved in their lives and welcomed, I'm still a foreigner. There is a tension with our culture. There should be a tension with our culture. In fact, not only that, but as you grow in Christ, that tension should actually start here and it should rise. Because as you grow in Christ, as you seek after Jesus and you follow him as much as you can, the tension should rise. And the longer you are a citizen of Jesus' kingdom, it should be more of a tension. The longer you are a citizen, it should become more obvious that you're a citizen not of this world. The reality is it isn't easy to be different in our culture, right? Right? It isn't easy to be different in our culture. 
We as Jesus followers struggle. We do. I am included in that. If we aren't intentional, what happens is we just follow along with everything that's going on in our lives. So we just think, a citizen of Jesus' kingdom, yeah, I do church on Sundays, and that is all my faith is, and then I go about my life and just do the rest of my life. And we get caught up in this merging into line with all the other people, all in the entire world, all seven billion of them, and we're all moving the same way if we're not careful. And we all start merging in line, almost like as if we were all lemmings, all down the path to the same destruction. If we're not intentional. If we don't think about how we are citizens. If we don't love God and love our neighbors. It is important for us to remember this tension. In 1951, there's this guy named H. Richard Niebuhr, and he talks about, he wrote this book called Christ and Culture. And I'm going to throw up the five things he's got, and it will be in your, in your, uh, in your, in your uh, insert that you've got in your program that you've got. But I'm only going to focus on the last one. The last one he, Richard Niebuhr talks about is he talks about Christ transforming culture. Christ transforming culture. He thought that this was the best thing. Back in the 50s, he's writing this. That the way to engage culture, currently then, but I believe even today, is for us to transform, or for Christ to transform culture. And he does, and Christ does that through us. You can imagine what happens when you have a dark place, a dark room where there's nothing around. There's no light to see what's going on in that room. It's completely dark. But when you turn on a flashlight or you turn on the light, everything becomes illuminated. This is what happens when we as Jesus followers, as citizens of Christ's kingdom, when we walk into the darkness, when we walk into the culture, we make that difference. All of a sudden, everybody sees the reality of what life should be like. They see what love is. When we, as the light of Christ, go into those areas and it illuminates everything. That is the difference of what Christ does through us as citizens. He illuminates the room. Christ transforming culture is the best way of viewing culture. Not to fear it not to escape it. And it starts with loving, loving our neighbors. And those two things of loving God and loving our neighbors, everything, all the law and the prophets, the entire Bible is hanging on these two greatest commandments. That these things matter. Now, if we unpack this passage a little bit, love your neighbor as yourself, it says. I think too often we think about, okay, yeah, we look around in the room and maybe there's more believers in Jesus than there is outside of this four walls of the building. Maybe we, maybe we have a little more. So, it's, so yeah, okay, loving your neighbor, I need to love my brother and sister in Christ. I think that's part of it, but that's not actually what this is saying. This, this verse is not saying you need to just find the people that believe the same things as you and to love on them. Because this word literally means that it includes your enemy. 
that the word neighbor here includes everybody, including your enemy, those who are against you. The word for neighbor literally translated means the one who is near. Anybody. That the neighbor is the one who is near. Anybody. If they are a friend, if they are a believer, if they are not a believer, they are your neighbor. Jesus isn't calling us to create a Christian subculture of exclusivists. I'm going to let you hang on that for a second because those are a lot of bigger words all in a row. Christian, or Jesus is not calling us to create a Christian subculture of exclusivists. Especially if he's calling, saying that a neighbor is your enemy. He doesn't want us to only associate with those who are acceptable, those who share the same beliefs as you, those who share the same morals as you. Someone recently said to me, someone from outside of the church, they said, Wes, do you know why I don't go to church? I was really excited to hear their answer. And then I was really sad when I heard it. She said, the reason why I don't go to church is because I don't want to be part of a club. Fair enough. That's her perspective, isn't it? But I think there's truth to that. In some circles, that is what non-believers think about the church. They kind of say, it's just a club. Why would I want to be part of that club? But listen, if it is a club to those who are on the outside, then we have lost everything. If that is what they're left with, we have done everything wrong. Somehow we've done everything wrong because they've just viewed us as this insular people that don't care about those who are on the outside. I'm not saying this necessarily about our church, but this is believers abroad. This is what some people are thinking about us. What if the ones who are near us the ones that are near me, the ones that are near you, are only believers. What if we surrounded the ones who are near with just people that know Jesus? The club members. Jesus declared in John 18, I said it earlier, that, our, that his kingdom is from a different world. I think we need to lead our culture away from that, away from thinking that it's a club, that we need to lead our culture in saying, this is how citizens of Jesus' kingdom should be acting in front of you. The two greatest commandments, love God with your whole self and love your neighbor as yourself. The two greatest commandments. It's easy or easier, not always easy, to love the club members, is it? However, some of us even have the Super Bowl to come to tonight. And I might just wreck your Super Bowl party by thinking this. But maybe ask yourself this question. Super Bowl is a pretty neutral thing. I wonder how many people that don't know Jesus could be part of this. Would it matter all that much if I actually thought, hmm, I've got a bunch of Christians here, a bunch of believers. Why not open it up to somebody who doesn't know Jesus? They like football. 
The second commandment is our neighbor is anyone who we come to contact with. There's a family in our church with five kids and all in sports. Just think about the schedule alone about what that looks like, okay? Just imagine with me the craziness of that. The thing I bring up with that is that this family never ceases to amaze me with the amount of conversations that they start around the practice times, around the games with all the families and all the parents and all the kids that they're there with. Often they come to me and they explain, hey, and you know what? And we were talking to the people and guess what? We started a conversation and church came up. Or that they realize that they feel accepted and they feel loved because they really do love people. And all they were doing was being there for them and listening. Those who are near you could be those people that are right with you in what you're doing, already what you're doing. But it also could mean that you need to do something a little more drastic and shake everything up in your, in your, in your life. And maybe you need to get yourself out of your routine and do something different. And I know that some of you have done that with the James Hill Breakfast Program. You don't have kids that go to James Hill Breakfast Program, but you're there serving. You're creating a space and making up an opportunity for you to share Jesus and the love of Jesus around people who maybe don't know him. Breakfast programs at Southridge are huge. And I say that plural on purpose. Because the coolest thing happened this last month is that Belmont Elementary in Brookswood came to me, where my kids go to school, and we talked through some stuff. And I said, how can we be involved in your school? And the thing that they asked is, we've got a breakfast program and we'd like someone to launch it. And so I said, hey, I know of a guy. His name is John. And he just helped do this at James Hill. I think we can help. We are creating opportunities as a church all the time to be in the lives of people around us. And if you are interested in being part of a front-end thing that's starting with the Belmont Elementary School breakfast program, I encourage you to come talk to me afterwards. I would love to set you up with that. Sometimes we need to move ourselves into the place so that we can have some people that are near us. It could be that you need to invite someone into your life to just start by saying, okay, I'm going to have a meal. You guys have meals, right? You have a meal, why not bring someone into your meals? Nothing's building onto what you're already doing. In fact, you're already eating. Why not bring those people into your life, into your home, or into go out for dinner, if that's the case, because you still need to eat. You still need to eat, and they do too. What a way for you to bring them into your life. I'm not asking you, I'm not suggesting to you to build something on top of already what you're doing. Because I get it, we're all busy. But to build into what we're doing already. Because if it matters that we need to love God and love our neighbors, these are the two greatest commandments that something needs to prioritize. We need to consider these things. Or consider this story of someone who has invited someone into the community. Watch this video. So recently, Craig, my husband, and I have been experiencing some really cool situations in our lives. Um, we've met some awesome people over the past couple years at the gym, and through getting to know them and becoming their friends, we have had awesome opportunities to invite them over for things and uh, get to know them and just be real and suffer through workouts together and um, just start to really love on them. And through that, we have learned about their lives and the 
reality of the hurt in their families or um, just the day-to-day -day struggles that they've been facing. Um, out of learning all of this, Craig and I wanted to do something else. We wanted to do um, something more to show them that they could be a part of a family. And um, last Thanksgiving, Craig and I decided that uh, we were going to host a big family Thanksgiving with our, our friends that uh, didn't have a Thanksgiving to go to, uh, whether it was um, their family wasn't around or they just uh, weren't invited to anything else. We wanted to make sure they knew that they had a place that they could call home, um, that they could throw their jacket on the couch, whatever it was, and uh, be comfortable and just be loved. And uh, oftentimes it consists of all of us roasting each other um, and laughing at dumb jokes, but um, it's always a time where they know that they're welcomed. Um, through that, we've seen some cool questions come out from our friends where they ask us about our marriage, why it's different than the relationships, how we're so young and still seem to be um, on the right track with each other. And our goal has always been just to love people uh, like Jesus has and um, pray that God makes a way through our relationship with them, through um, our marriage through whatever it is that God could use that he would use it and it's pretty cool because we've been seeing God do that um, it's been so cool to walk that journey with um, a couple of these friends and to be able to see that they're they want to be a part of our lives because we want to be a part of theirs and just the love that we're we're giving to them whether it's um, just encouraging them in a workout or uh, encouraging them over text or just um, being real with them. I think it's made a huge difference in their lives. I hope it does and we pray for them all the time but a lot of the time we're just there. Um, we've just shown up uh, to be there with them, to be their friend and to love on them. And so through all of the friendships, relationships, we've, we've actually started a group workout um, on Saturdays and just invited anyone that wanted to come no matter what level they were. And um, <laughs> it's been pretty cool to create a community where we can be in people's lives and just love them and show them that they are loved as well. Our neighbors, as you saw in the video, are those who are around us. We can create and make opportunities to share with people and just be there, as Carrie said, right? Just be there with them. They should be in our lives. If they aren't already, then we need to make that happen. But what about our neighbors that live physically beside us? Do you remember those people <laughs> that live there, you drive into your garage and disappear just like them? What about our neighbors that live physically beside us? Well, I've got this book that challenged me. It's called The Art of Neighboring. And uh, this book has really helped me to think through some things. I've got a few copies at the resource table in the foyer um, for sale if you want to buy them. Uh, I think they're just 20 bucks. And uh, if you want to pick that up and, and try reading through that. It really helped me think through some of the things that I'm wrestling through with my neighbors. What I started thinking when I started reading this is that if I don't consider my neighbors who, who live beside me, 
who are really close to me, who are near me, if I don't consider them enough, then am I, Wes, being a good citizen? Am I being a good citizen of Jesus' kingdom if I don't talk to them? If I just say hi? In your program, there's also an insert. And on the one side of the insert, there's a whole bunch of squares. So I'm going to explain those squares to you if you want to pull this out. I've got this also on the front of the book so that it helps me to, to use as a visual. So there's, there's nine squares on here. The middle one is your house. My challenge for you, if you'd like to join me in this, is to write down in each square, each square represents someone who lives near you. So it could be if you live in the center and there's just a circle of people around you in a neighborhood, that could be true. It could be just eight people that are connected to you somehow, uh, especially your, your people that are physically beside you. But if you don't have a lot, feel free to insert people at the soccer practice and that sort of thing. But to write down, there's A and B and C, to write down what are the names of these people? What are their names? What are their kids' names? What do you know about them? Do you know everything you know about them? Is it from the end of your driveway? Is that all you know about them? Or do you know a little bit more? Because I think that if we just stand at the end of our driveway and wave and say hi and talk about the weather and that's it, you don't know anything else about them. You don't know what their needs are. But if you go a little bit deeper and you do what Carrie and Craig have done and brought them into your house, you start to unpack and to learn and to experience and to love the people around you. So my challenge to you is to start writing in some of those people that are around you. What are their needs? What are their dreams? Do they want to have kids and can't? Do they have lots of kids? What's their jobs? What's their hobbies? Start writing some of these things down. I asked you guys to be part of a poll at the beginning of the, uh, of the day. You've got a bunch of different things. I guess we've got them <laughs> going to come up now at this time. Awesome. So the question was, if you could have anything done for you, someone, or by someone else, what would it be? Hey, look at that. It's actually all over the place. That's great. So my, my question, you see the answers to that. This is what everybody had put into. My question for that is, you guys feel loved by this, right? You feel loved by this. You know where I'm going with this, don't you? Then why not take that one thing that you just did and said, hey, do you know what? Maybe I will cook a meal for somebody. If I feel loved that way, maybe that's the way I can show love to someone else. Maybe I can offer free babysitting or pet sitting or dog walking. Maybe I have a chance to wash someone's car if they allow you to touch it. And for some of you who are all of the above, you've got your work cut out for you. No, you can just choose one if you want. That's fine. But think about what you love and just give that back to somebody else. We are all busy, right? We are all busy. If we boiled it down to these two commandments of loving God with everything and loving your neighbor, but if we don't do the second one, my, one, my question is, are we then disobeying Jesus? If this is the second greatest commandment? Maybe you've wondered if by in, engaging with these people, you now are associating with these people and therefore I might be uh, condoning sin and saying it's okay for the behavior that they have. Maybe you know your neighbors well 
and you know what they're into and you know what their, their late night partying looks like or their, their situation with their person they're partnering with or whatever and you're just struggling through, how do I do that? My challenge to you is to consider how Jesus would have come to people. Jesus would have come to, he hung out with people that were outcasts of society. He hung out with the prostitutes. Just think about that. He hung out with the prostitutes and the sinners and the drunkards and the tax collectors, those people that were outcasts of society. So my challenge to you, if you're struggling with that, and you're not sure how you're going to engage with your, your neighbors because you just don't understand them or you just disagree with them, it's just to start with love. It's to start with love because Jesus would. Don't dismiss the sin, but just delay it and start with love. Focus on loving them. You can do this because you have everything you need in Jesus. Start by getting to know them. Be a good neighbor. How else will you love your neighbor unless you know them? If you don't know them, how are you going to love them? To know them well. Share your story with them. Start with that. Share about what Jesus has done in your life. Make room for opportunities in your schedule. Maybe it means that you host a block party. Maybe that's how you do it. You just think, I'm just going to hold the, bit, the best block party this neighborhood has ever seen. And I'm going to lead the charge. We've had a table up here for the series. And uh, today, I want to point to the fact that we have some table settings. We have plates and forks and preparations for a meal. Maybe as you think about the table for this week, you can think about, okay, We've got it all set up and ready to go. We are all ready and prepared for this, to love my neighbor as myself. Maybe this is your challenge that you need to hear today, to come prepared. Because if we meet those outside the club, uh, drives me nuts to call it a club, but it, just to make the point, it, you understand. If we are to meet people outside so that they don't think we're a club, we bring Jesus into the everyday stuff of their life and everything changes. The light comes into the dark places. Non-citizens of Jesus' kingdom don't know what they want is Jesus. They live lives that have a vortex, an empty spot that they don't even understand what it is. And here we are with a burning inferno in this room right now. And there's dark places that are out there that need Jesus. There's friend groups who do not have any believers in them. Maybe some of you are part of those friend groups because you're here and you're not a believer and you're in those dark places and you know how dark life is. You know how hard it can be. And none of the believers have entered into that friend circle. Well, if you don't know Jesus today, I want to encourage you to seek after him because he is the answer to your aching heart. He will make you feel complete to know that there's a purpose to your life, to know love beyond the love that you've experienced. There's a story I want to share with you before we close, and it's about a city where a bunch of pastors got together and decided, how can we bless our city? How can we make a difference? There's 20 pastors from 20 different churches. 
So they came to the mayor and the civic authorities and they, tried, they asked them, okay, so if we're going to make a difference and we're going to just infiltrate our city, what is one thing that we can just stem on and we can do and we can say, yes, we are going to love the city? The mayor and the civic authorities pulled back from it and they discussed things and, and it didn't take them very long in that meeting. And they said, well, to be honest, the one thing that keeps on coming up in our minds is that we want people to be more neighborly and more friendly with each other. And at that point, the pastors were very embarrassed because they realized that those outside the church were telling them to live the, the great commandments, the greatest two commandments for them. That they were asking, the culture was asking them, can you please help us to be more neighborly and friendly with each other in our neighborhoods? Wow. So what that started in the, I think it was the city of Denver, they actually started this block party thing where they just infiltrated every single neighborhood with block parties because they were given that opportunity to lead in their culture. Like, isn't that the way it should be? to lead as citizens of Jesus' kingdom in the culture that we're here and to make a difference and to be light and to be loving and to prove that Jesus is the best thing ever and not to hog it to ourselves. Despite you, Jesus is relentlessly pursuing people with his love. No matter what you do or don't do, it doesn't matter. Jesus is pursuing people that don't know him. He loves them. He's asking us to love them. You can't stop this. I'm going to borrow that from Quanos today. You can't stop his pursuit of people. He just loves them so much and he wants them to know true love. And we have a part in that. We can build Christ's kingdom one life at a time, one neighborhood at a time. We can be a blessing to our world. It's not about a Southridge kingdom. And I will not stop saying that. It is not about us trying to just build what is here. That number does not matter. What matters is that we are loving our neighbors one life at a time. That is our mission. Our mission when you come through those doors is to love God and change the world one life at a time. We do this by loving our neighbors. We do this by being in their lives. We do this and we fulfill what God has called us to do as Southridge just to be great neighbors and to love them and to show them Jesus. You have everything you need in Jesus. I want to encourage you with that this morning as we leave. So I'm going to ask you to, to stand with me and we're going to pray. And as we do that, I'm going to hold out my hands to surrender to Jesus and I'm inviting you to do that, but I don't want you to do that if you don't feel comfortable. That is fine. I'm not going to be looking. I'm going to close my eyes because I'm, I just want to focus on Jesus at this point. But if, I'm going to join, uh, ask you to join me in praying and lifting up your hands at this time. So let's pray. Jesus, we stand before you in honor of your name and we ask that you would use us, your church, your people, to be true citizens of your kingdom, loving others closer to you, that they may also have the opportunity to know your love and purpose in their lives. Make divine appointments, God, 
where we cannot deny your orchestration of conversation with our neighbors, which includes those who live physically beside us, those that are too easy to ignore, and I put myself in that, God. We lift your name high. We surrender to your guidance for us. It is in and through the name of Jesus in whom we pray. Amen.